Shabbat Shalom. All righty. Everybody having a good Shabbat? Yes? Awesome. Welcome to HFF. we got some new things this week. Out on the welcome bar, we have these. I know they're hard to see. That's because there's a white background on them right now. But these are car window decals that we now have. I know we've been talking about them for a long time, and finally I got around to actually doing what I was supposed to do and got them made. And so we have a bunch of hff.church, which is the short URL that goes to our website, which again leads us to a segue to a whole other conversation about our new website. Uh, Those are free. Take them. uh, Put them on your car. Put them on multiple cars if you're blessed to have multiple cars. In the bulletin, we have a brand new website. Uh, that has been up now for about two weeks. Uh, All of the events have been updated on there. So all of our outreach, Grace Living Center, uh, Real Life Marriage Group tonight, all of those things are on there. Also, those things get updated first. So like, for example, the Real Life Marriage Group uh, was scheduled to meet at the Koldoff's house uh, this evening. That has changed in the middle of the week. And so maybe you weren't here. Maybe you're watching online. Now it's meeting at the Foster's house. So we update that pretty regularly uh, on there. So want to let everybody know that you can go to hff.church, hebraicfamily.com. I think it's also like hebraic.family. We got a lot of URLs. We're a URL type of church, I guess. Um, it's all on there. Uh, also want to let you know about something new we're going to be doing in August. This is long-term planning right now. Uh, our men's prayer breakfast is now going to become our men's attack, which is going to be a monthly meeting that we are going to have with the men. Uh, it's going to be off-site. Uh, it's going to be at various different times. But August 4th is our first men's attack. It will take place at Gray Owl Coffee in Norman. Uh, they have a back patio area. So uh, all the men are welcome to attend and be a part of that. Uh, Cameron Wallace will be leading that one. Every month we're going to have a different man leading different uh, the, the gathering. They'll actually do a 10 to 15 minute devotional as a part of that. We'll have some prayer time and some fellowship. Coffee will be provided uh, for all the men who are coming for that. So uh, if you are a coffee drinker, you definitely want to be a part of that. I believe it starts at 10, 1030. It'll go to about 11, 1130 uh, that morning. That's Gray Owl. Again, it's on the website. want to let you guys know as well that uh, Love Your Neighbors is coming up. That is going to be the first Saturday in August. We will not be holding service here, but we will be actually all going together uh, that Saturday afternoon and joining in with the services at Betamy Congregation in Oklahoma City. So I want to remind everybody about that. Also, we have our outreach opportunities in the bulletin and on the website. Uh, Grace Living Center is coming up tomorrow. The City Rescue Mission is coming up next week. Uh, Please see Stephen and or Alicia uh, for that. Stephen is the one without the beard now right over there. I want to also remind everybody about our weekly prayer gatherings before the service. I know it's morning, it's Shabbat, we want to sleep in. But we do have our prayer gatherings that are happening uh, at 945 in the room right back here, the glass room right back there where we're uh, lifting up the service, lifting up anybody's needs, prayers, whatever. And so I want to encourage you on that. Um, Everybody have a good week? Yeah? Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's go up. Uh, go ahead and stand up. Let's say Shabbat Shalom to somebody, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started in on worship.
the earth Who is like Yahweh Who is like Yahweh In all the earth No You are God Of the heavens You are God Of the earth who is like Yahweh? Who is like Yahweh in all the earth? God, there is none like you in all the earth. One with God, the Lord Most High, the hidden glory of creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is! The name of Yeshua, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Yeshua. You didn't want heaven without us. So, oh God, you brought heaven now. The King was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is What a wonderful name it is The name of Yeshua My King What a wonderful name it is Nothing compares to this What a wonderful name it is The name of Yeshua what a wonderful name it is, the name of Yeshua. The veil torn before you silence the 
Father, our holy, you are mighty, you are worthy of praise. On this day we come, Father, we lay down our cares of this world, and we rejoice in your presence. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to have a place to praise you, to study your word, to come together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to minister to others to be a light in this community Father it is by your power it is by your spirit Father that we are able to do these things and we thank you Father we just lift up those who are traveling this week Father we lift up those who are struggling with the changes of the weather Father we lift up those, Father, who might be struggling with financial issues, who might be struggling with mental or emotional issues, Father. We lift them up to you, the great physician, the one who can heal them. For it's in Yeshua's name we humbly come before you. Amen and amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Glad to be here this morning. All right. I want you to notice, Chris, I do not have a flip phone. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joyce was scheduled to come home last Tuesday, and she did not get to come home last Tuesday. But she went home Thursday. <laughs> yes. Give God the glory. And... So let me read you the last update I have from them. It says, Joyce is doing well, enjoying being at home. Still some fluid retention, but not as bad. We won't be there this morning, but please extend our gratitude for all the prayers that have been made for us. And they're going to watch this on the Internet. So they, they thank you for your prayers. She is really doing well. Pray for Ray also. Because uh, he has to change uh, some things, on, bandages on her and stuff on a regular basis and the batteries that she has to carry around on the battery pack so she can operate the heart pump, okay? So pray for both of them. So keep, keep them in your prayers. All right. All right. Patrice, we've been praying for her forever, which is all right, which is all right, isn't it? She is scheduled to have a knee replacement the 1st of July. 
So that's just around the corner. So be in prayer for her and for her doctors and all those involved. Uh, it seems like we've had an epidemic of knee replacements here. So uh, keep praying for that. Amen. That's right. And Amy and Mackenzie, we prayed for them as they traveled to camp last week. They had a great camp. And so they'll be traveling back starting this weekend. Should be home on Tuesday, I think. It's home. So keep pray, so pray for Amy and Mackenzie. And uh, I think they're traveling with some other people for safety as they travel and some good fellowship in that long drive home. Uh, and speaking of traveling, Ephraim is scheduled to go to the West Coast in August uh, for some extended teaching, I understand. So uh, be in prayer even now that uh, God would prepare Ephraim with the messages that he needs to give and for the people that he's going to go visit that they might receive those messages uh, in, in the way God intends them for them to receive them, okay? So be in prayer for that. And talking about Ephraim, Camp Yeshua starts in three weeks. So we need to be in prayer for that. That's a lot on Ephraim. He handles all that. And so pray for him and those that are helping him with Camp uh, Yeshua. Pray for all the, the young men and women who are going to be coming to camp. That even now that God would be preparing their hearts for what God wants to do to them for them on that week at Camp Yeshua. Okay? Uh, so remember that. Okay. We've been praying for Estelle and uh, her cancer treatments and so forth, and those were successful. She's finishing up some things, and they're trying to finish up her chemotherapy, but she's been having trouble with her uh, white blood count. And so that's kind of slowed things down as far as finishing up her chemotherapy. So pray for Estelle that her white blood count would be where it needs to be and that they can finish that up and uh, she can be... Uh, checked off, I guess, I don't know how you, you know, as being okay, nope, okay. And then for, uh, for Virginia, she is scheduled July 8th to have an aortic valve replacement. So that's another really major surgery. Anytime you get into the heart, that's pretty pretty serious. So pray for, uh, for her doctors and all those involved in that that uh, God would be preparing them for that surgery and for Virginia that uh, she would be ready for that too. All right? That's July 8th. And then we prayed last week for a, a lady by the name of Dolores who had a tumor on the back of her uh, brain. They went in and successfully removed the tumor this past week and said uh, that it was not cancerous. So praise God for that. All right? So... And remember always to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There are a lot of things going on over there. For the new elections that they're going to have coming up. For the decisions that Netanyahu needs to make with the things that are going on. Uh, things are, if you watch Monty's updates on Friday, Friday evenings, you know that things are pretty serious over there. And uh, Iran is doing some things that, Probably, well, I know, they fit in with God's plan. So we just need to be looking at all that from God's viewpoint and God's perspective. But keep, keep uh, all of that in your prayers uh, and pray for this nation. It's still very much uh, divided, and we need to pray that we can come together as one nation 
and, uh, and uh, care for one another as we should. All right? So I'm going to turn it over to you, and then I'll close this in a few minutes. before you with hearts that are filled with praise for who you are. Thank you that uh, you have provided a way for us through your son. And that because of all that you've done, You've also opened the door for us to come into your throne room and to bring before you those things that you've put on our hearts. So I lift up to you the request that we made this morning. Thank you that they're in your hands and that you will accomplish your will in all that we ask this morning. And we acknowledge that that is the best place to be in your will so we pray that your will would be done in each case 
Thank you for the time that Chris had at Wisconsin at his grandmother's funeral. For their ability not only to grieve her passing, but to also rejoice in the life that she led and where she is now. And thank you for the opportunity Chris had to do the service and to uh, remember his grandmother. We do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We ask that your spirit would move mightily across that land. That you would open the hearts of the Jewish people to acknowledge Yeshua as their Messiah. That all of Israel might be saved. We pray for the service this morning. We ask that as Chris and Ephraim and Daniel come up, that they might be led by your spirit in all that they say and do. And that it might be a time of edification for all of us as we learn more about what your word says, about what it means to be a follower of yours. So we commit this service to you. We thank you that you've given us this place to worship and for this Sabbath day that you've given us to come and to praise you and to rest in you. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. I can have all the children come forward. We'll do a time of praying over the children. Always a blessing to see all of these beautiful faces every single Shabbat that we can pour out a blessing upon them. So let us go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day, Father. We thank you for each and every one of the beautiful children that are before us here under this tallit. Father, may you pour out your covering, your atonement upon them. May you pour out your blessing upon them as they continue to grow and learn of your ways, Father. Father, I pray that you would encourage us, the parents and the elders, Lord, as we speak life into them, that it would always be your words and your wisdom and your knowledge and understanding, Lord, as we teach our children, Father, as we follow that commandment, Lord, to raise them up knowing all of the words of your covenant and your instruction. So, Father, may we be blessed as we teach and educate each and every one of these children, Father. May we learn from them, Lord, for the faith that they have to raise their arms to their parent at a time of need. May we always raise our arms to you and not trust our own strength in anything that we need. Father, we bless these children. We pray blessings and prosperity and, and uh, health upon each and every one of them as they grow. Father, may you make the sons to be as Ephraim and Manasseh, make them fruitful and multiply, Lord. And Father, may the daughters be as Ruth and as Esther, make them righteous daughters of Zion, Father. Turn your face toward them, lift up your countenance upon them, and give them peace. 
So we bless these, the children of our families, and these, the children and future generations of your chosen people, Israel. We pour out this blessing upon them on this Sabbath day. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. That was the quietest kid's blessing I've ever had. (laughs) Shabbat Shalom, everyone. We've done this now a couple of times, and it always seems like we run out of time. And so we're looking forward to another wonderful time where we're going to, all the elders here, we're going to sit and we're going to have a little group discussion about some of the things that, uh, that we kind of run into here in the congregation, across the movement. We've talked about um, the traditions, customs, commandments of the, of the Bible, and uh, we just wanted to sort of continue that. We felt like we cut it short last time, and so we're going to do kind of more of the same. And even in lieu of doing a first five, which is a tradition here in our, in our uh, congregation to always teach the Torah, we always teach the Torah. I mean, we teach the Torah even in the main messages. That's something that we, I think all three of us are committed to do. Um, but we want to continue that discussion talking about traditions, customs of the Scripture. That we do. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about a custom of the Scripture, um, the Torah cycle readings. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep this as tame as possible um, because normally our text messages... If you could see our conversations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the text message thread. We're going to start with the Torah cycle reading. So obviously we're talking about customs, traditions, and the Bible. Sometimes customs and traditions are in the Bible. Sometimes customs and traditions are not in the Bible. Sometimes customs and traditions uh, do not cause us to break a commandment of the Lord. Sometimes customs and traditions do cause us to break commandments of the Lord. And so part of going through these various things is kind of looking at some of the things that that we do as a movement or things that are considered to be staples of the movement and classify them to the best of our ability. Obviously, we're not the judges. We're not the Sanhedrin. We don't, you know, for all of Israel, but to the best of our ability, bring a little clarity to this. And so one of the areas we want to talk about, because we're obviously not doing a first five this week, is the Torah cycle reading. The Torah cycle reading, in my mind, is a custom, not a commandment. Anybody disagree? Uh, Depends on who you are. So uh, (laughs) as, as an example, so kings, kings were not only uh, commanded to study the Torah, they were commanded to write it down, okay? And so, now, none of us here is a king, okay? So does this apply to us? Well, it's, it's something that Speak could be better. Speak for yourself, Daniel. <laughs> I was just about to say this. Boy, it's tough being here next to these egos. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, the whole thing is a king is supposed to write down the Torah, the entirety, and supposed to memorize it. Of course, we know that traditionally the way that the Torah was handed down was orally because it was memorized, and this is still, you'll still see this in Judaism today. If you want to go to yeshiva, they won't allow you to touch the Talmud until you're at least 40 years old and have memorized the Torah. Real quick, let's pause on that and clarify, because unfortunately in our movement, there is something called the oral law. Yeah. That is, he is stating that the Torah as written here was passed down verbally. Correct. From generation to generation versus oral law. Oral law is something right. that they believe was spoken 
from the mouth of God directly to people before Sinai, and thus they knew the oral law. And there are, unfortunately, Sabbath-keeping ministries who differentiate and say that's more important or yada, yada, yada. We are not speaking about oral law. We're speaking about the law verbally handed down. Just right. to clarify real quick. Because obviously it wasn't until, you know, centuries after Moses that these most of these things were written down, okay? And so prior to that time, they were handed down from generation to generation through memorization and through repetition, okay? Um, so now, that said, obviously we see the, the, you know, instructions for kings and we, we see the admonitions from the prophets that say that you are to meditate upon these things. We see David are you, meditating. Are you upon talking these about things. Acts 15, 21, <laughs> Daniel? Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm not, but I will. Um, <laughs> not, so, not yet. So we see <laughs> that, uh, you know, for, for those of us that are coming from the nations, um, this is approached in Acts chapter 15, where the question is asked, what are we supposed to say about these Gentiles that are coming to the faith? Um, you know, they're not Jews. What, what do we do about them? And so there's a, a council that's convened, and James, the, the, the brother of Yeshua, who's the head of the, the church there at Jerusalem, ends up coming to a decision. And in Acts chapter 15, you can read about it. But one of those things that he says, you know, that Gentiles are to abstain from these four specific things, which have to do with pagan practices, that's fornication and, uh, you know, consuming blood and anything that was, uh, you know, sacrificed to an idol and, and strangulation, these kinds of things that all are, are associated with these pagan rites that were taking place in these different uh, cultural uh, temples, okay? And he ends this by saying, not only will these Gentiles be expected to do these four things, which is a minimum for them to have table fellowship, but in verse 21, for Moshe from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Okay? So the, the, uh, the assumption here that's being made by James is that, look, you're going to go, anytime you go to a Sabbath uh, uh, facility, you know, a synagogue of some kind, you're going to hear Moshe spoken. Because they're going to read from the Torah, which was written by that time, okay? And so now they had a, a recorded uh, Torah. Um, so the, you know, the assumption here is that the Gentiles that are coming to faith are going to hear uh, Moshe being read. Now, this is also an integral part of the Jewish conversion process. Because in order to convert to Judaism in the first century, there was a process of three things that you had to go through. Number one, you had to be circumcised. Number two, you had to go through a mikvah, a baptism. And then number three, you had to go through an entire year of listening to the Torah cycle because that's the tradition they had. And after that time, after that entire year of attending and hearing, you then become responsible for what you've heard. You're not held responsible until that time, but after that year, and you'll still see this in, to a certain extent in the modern-day Jewish conversion process. If you were to convert to Judaism, they have very similar things as well. Okay, now let's clarify that. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that a Torah cycle is required. Correct. So the Torah cycle readings that you get from FFOZ or Lion and Lamb or the 55,000 people who have their own cycles. Those are customs. It's a tradition. Yeah. Reading of Moses in a synagogue on a weekly basis is absolutely, in Acts 15, also spoken about again in Luke, something that is, is, is something that the council had said that they should do. Now, we established the last time we did this that Ephraim reads books far more than I do. 
I can do audio books pretty well when I'm on the road, but as far as like moving and shaking in my daily life, that's hard for me to do. So Ephraim might be able, if he was going to sit down and create a way for him to listen to all of the Torah or read the Torah throughout the year, he might be able to do that in larger chunks uh, once a week or something. I might have a week where I get like three verses in and then the next week I got to do like two chapters or whatever. So that is still upholding what was stated in Acts there. But the actual Torah cycle readings, and this is important for us to understand, there's nothing wrong with it, not at all. And just, if you disagree with me, speak up, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But I have been party to many, many, many conversations in many different congregations, online, various areas where people, for whatever reason, when they come out of a Sunday church and into a Sabbath church on Saturday, they then believe, well, no, the Torah cycle reading is exactly what you must do. And if you don't do the Torah cycle reading, then you're not a Messianic or there's a negative uh, connotation that comes with that. There's nothing in the scripture that says that whatsoever. It's not. What, what we do have is we do have the Torah cycle reading. Traditional, it's been passed along through Judaism for a very long time. This week's portion, Baha Alotcha, it has a name. It's always, it, all the portions are broken up. They're named by just the first phrase of the first verse. And these have been shared for generations through Jewish communities. For me, who've, who has taught Torah, Daniel's taught Torah on a regular basis, I personally love the way it's broken up. It's broken up in a way to where it can be digested on a weekly basis. And through the course of the year, you would go through the course of Torah, all five books of Moses. And so, personally, I love the way that's broken up. In fact, if you didn't want to subscribe to, okay, well, that's the traditional reading for this week. Okay, that's fine. But then what are you going to do to study Torah, to hear the word? If Moses is taught in every city, in every synagogue, in every week, what part is being taught? And so that's where sometimes the tradition helps us to do the commandment in the same way that if you don't want to light candles and, and bless wine and bread to, to set apart the Sabbath, you don't do kiddish as it's traditionally done, well, then what are you doing to set apart the Sabbath? That would be the question. So these are the customs that help us to do can the I, commandment. Can I ask you a question? And you can chime in on this if you want. Okay. So in Acts 15 and then again in Luke, we see where they're talking about Moses was read in the synagogue. In the current Torah cycle readings, is the whole entire book of Deuteronomy included in that? Yes. Yes. Okay. The end of the book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses? Uh, no, not technically okay. because obviously... I just want to point that write. out because again, and again, like I actually st- shared... I share the thought of these guys that, hey, a Torah cycle reading is good. We should do it. It's a good way to keep on, on board. So I know I'm playing, I'm playing the adversary here on, on this, but like Moses being read in the synagogue would not have included Deuteronomy, the end of Deuteronomy at that point of time. And these are things, especially if you're newer to the Messianic faith, these are things you're going to hear. These are things when you're going out and you're talking about it with other people, especially in social media land, in the land of the triangle, like you will get lost in there and they will gather you and they will poke holes. And so you have to understand, this is kind of why we're doing this. You have to understand why you're choosing to do what you're doing inside your home because ultimately somebody's going to come in and say, well, that's a tradition. And they're going to come up with every one of these little sleight of hand mm-hmm. type of things to try to knock you off your faith or why you do what you do. Right. How, how many people and, have you ever heard that are trying to disprove any part of the Bible? Like any part of the Bible. I mean, when somebody says, oh, this part's not applicable anymore. Well, that verse doesn't really mean anything. 
people I've heard constantly. I'm sure yeah, you constantly. have as well. Well, then you have other people who have written entire books about the book of Genesis, about how it's just a metaphor for things. Yep. Couldn't There's no way that could have actually happened. And all it ever does, all any of those discussions ever do, is compromise the Word of God. It causes people to question in their minds, well, then should I be reading it? Correct. What's its applicability to me today? And when we talk about the teaching of Torah, it's not about teaching that week's Torah portion reading from that verse to that verse and don't go a verse earlier and don't go a verse later. That's never, I mean, any Torah teacher worth their salt is not going to stick to those verses and say, well, I must stop teaching Torah because I can't go any further on this week's reading. No, the point is to spiritually instruct the people to share the word of God. And it's always, it's always the spirit of God that causes it to be revealed in your own heart, in your own mind. It's never the power or the bravado or the sensational nature of any Torah teacher that ministers to you. It's the Holy Spirit that does it when the words that are being spoken or the words that are being read confirms what you, the Lord has already planted inside your heart and in your spirit. Right. And so to think that a certain tradition or the way that it's broken up or exactly where or when it's taught or who teaches it is the, is the fulfillment of the commandment is selling short the power of the Holy Spirit to that he is the one that ministers to us through the word of God and that right. we men are the one that get in the way trying to question the word of God. Well, I, I mean, I've heard the theory that Moses, it was multiple writers that wrote the Torah, that there was a team of people with Moses that did put it together. In fact, there's pretty good evidence for that when you have two chapters that kind of say the same thing, just in a slightly different way. And you kind of yeah. wonder, it's all like, well, it sounds like that part was written by Moses and that part was sort of more detailed or something like that. Well, you got to be careful about those types of things. I, I got no problem if somebody wants to theorize that Moses had a team of people that helped put the text together. That doesn't change my thought that this is the Word of God and has ministered to me and to it's thousands right. of people for thousands of generations and that it still should be taught. But if you want to listen to the sensational person that says, well, if Moses didn't really do that part, so we shouldn't listen to, to Moses... What are you talking about, man? Like, yeah. why are we even having that discussion when we're talking about the sharing of the Word of God you, you, and what to it, His people? Yeah, what it comes down to, really, is that the Torah cycle is beneficial. Okay, the Torah cycle is something that keeps us all on the same page. You can walk into literally any synagogue in anywhere in the world, and they should be on fairly the same portion of Scripture that you would have studied during the week, and so it keeps us all on the same page. The drawbacks, the issue to tap on what Chris, uh, you know, alluded to a few minutes ago. Um, there's 61 other books in this bu uh, Bible, okay? <laughs> and, and as important as the foundation is, we can't even truly understand it if we don't understand the red letters that are in there, okay? That's true. Because it's yep. through the red letters that we finally gain the understanding of what that meant in the first place. And so the whole, the weakness that we have is being tied to that, that Torah portion cycle and being rigid and neglecting the other things that are there that are beneficial for our growth and our strength. I, I cannot tell you how much I know in my spirit that there, well, I know of people, we all have known people that have walked away from a messianic faith, a belief in Yeshua to go and convert to Judaism. And I know there, there is absolutely nothing that I can defend about messianic Hebrew roots congregations that put such a heavy emphasis on Torah, don't teach the rest of Scripture, don't teach enough about Yeshua, and that years and years and years of that type of teaching 
has actually causes even young people who grew up in that atmosphere to walk away from Yeshua if Yeshua is not being taught in their congregation. And that is an overemphasis. This is the, the, the spiritual truth. Too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Yeah. Gluttony, food, those sorts of things. You focus so much on the knowledge and the words on the page, and you miss the spiritual understanding and the spiritual connections to God's great plan, which includes his son, which includes his salvation yep. for the whole world, that if you are not making that connection, you are leading people away from what God is doing in their lives. Yeah, and that is salvation through Yeshua. You're ultimately creating idol worship is what you're doing. Because what you're doing is you're now saying that God in his whole entire work, works, his whole entire plan, his sending of his son, who, who I believe everybody in this room believes is divine and is a part of God, whether it's three in one or seven in one or 21 in one or whatever it is, 23 in me, it doesn't matter. We believe what? that he is divine. All right, we'll have a conversation later afterwards about all that. Yeah. Yeah, we won't get into the Trinity today. But in that situation, we have to be careful because all of us know, and parents especially, Ephraim's trying to, to really like harp on this with you guys because we spend a lot of time with youth and have been, and we've witnessed that. We know some of our closest friends. Let me tell you this. If the Jewish rabbis have studied the words of Moses their whole entire life, from the time that they were born to the time that they exist now at the age of 60, 70, 80 years old. What in the world makes you think if you have put such an emphasis on the Torah while forsaking the other, while forsaking the words in red from the actual God who came in man form to this earth, why when they start to look for the counsel, wouldn't they go to the experts? That's another thing that's happening right now in our movement, which I, on again, has good elements to it. We're looking for scholarly work, not just two Babylons or somebody who got just enough of something to tie it to something else and make up a whole conspiracy theory. Well, once you get to scholarly work, why in the world would you take a plumber who's been eight years into the Messianic movement studying Torah and put him up against somebody who's been studying Torah for 71 years of his life, living in the cultural elements of it? Your children will then see it and say, hold on, wait a second. If Torah is what we are to obtain to have everlasting life, to have salvation, to find pleasing in God, they will forsake the Messiah because the ones who are the scholars in that work don't believe in Yeshua. By the way, then when you go into the Gospels and you see the works of Yeshua, just like we saw with Acts 15, how we got here to begin with, with the Torah cycle, you see Yeshua going out through the whole entire Gospel, talking to the Pharisees about what the actual elements of the Torah were. So you have the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. You have to have a good balance in those things, and we have to be careful. So, is it a custom? Yes. Is it a good custom? Yes, when used appropriately, it can also become an idol. Because you can place ink on a page in a higher level than God himself, the one who authored the words to put ink on the page. Now, I believe it's inspired. We are not speaking down about that. Let's make yeah, sure we clarify Yeah, disclaimer, that. nobody is saying anything yes. about not teaching Torah or studying Correct. Torah or keeping the commandments of Torah. Correct. But we're simply describing the way people have interpreted this and used Correct. it either positively or negatively. Correct. All right, so we were talking about the Torah cycle into the Sabbath day. We wanted to get into the Sabbath day a little bit more. We briefly touched on that the last time Ephraim gave us uh, the, the challenge of how are you setting apart the day. Let's go back and let's talk about the Sabbath day. Specifically, I'm going to turn this one over to Daniel because I, I want to get engaged in this one pretty quickly. 
All right, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a Sabbath day where no one was here, okay? Most of us were in Dallas uh, attending a Shavuot conference. We were staying in a hotel. Um, we were in that hotel on Sabbath and on a high rest day. Um, what, what's, what's the Hebrew term for that? The high rest day? There is no Hebrew no, no, term. No, 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 the, no, the, the Sabbath. The, the, the convocation. The convocation. There, well, yes, there He's was. Getting, there's a Mikra there. Kodesh. There we go. There's I just a, wanted to hear him say it. Right? I would have gotten there. Um, there's a Mikra Kodesh that takes place on that high rest day. Okay? Now, I'm not using the term Sabbath to describe it because Scripture never uses that term to describe the rest days of the festivals. They're like a Sabbath in the fact that you're resting and you're not, you know, you're abstaining from work. Now, we can get into that and I'll break up my favorite word Chris likes me to say, laborious. But, um, you know, it, it, the whole two. thing is that <laughs> um, two two. We, we were at, uh, all I need to say is Yaakov now, right? Okay, so. Parashal. Um, <laughs> Parashal. We, we were at a hotel. People were working there. They were working whether we were there or not, but that's not a justification. The question here is, how do we harmonize, how do we justify renting a room at a hotel for a conference at which people are working and calling it a Sabbath or calling it our following the commandments, how do we harmonize those two things? So let's open that up for discussion. How, um, likewise, well, well, how, do gonna... we, how do we justify paying rent for this facility? Because we may not pay the bill on Shabbat, but the whole purpose in paying money for this facility to meet here is for the Sabbath. Okay? Well, exactly. And, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be on the side in the Sabbath day just because I believe the precept is first and foremost, there's some loose commandments or loose I shouldn't use the word commandments. There are some loose um, conversations about what is and is not appropriate on the Sabbath. However, there is one thing that is absolutely specified, and that's a holy convocation. Um, I hate to break it to you. If you don't have a holy convocation, or you try to say that you're having a holy convocation in your house with your family, you're full of it. You're full of it. It doesn't exist. If you stay in your house with your family and treat it like every other day, that is not what the precept was for holy convocation. Now, that doesn't mean you need to come here. We don't have a membership here. You can go any place you want to go. You can go to a park. You can go gather at a, a friend's house and you can go do that. You can do other things. It doesn't mean you need to come to a church facility. It doesn't need you mean you need to do those types of things. But a holy convocation is a requirement of the set-apart day. So when you get into feast days and you get into those times, I'm going to be of the part where, um, well, whether you like it or not, if you own a home, somebody's working for you. Whether you like it or not, because you have electricity coming into your home, you have air conditioning running all the time, you have all these types of things that are happening. You could say, well, we're doing our best to not go around and treat it like a normal day. Fantastic. Awesome. But people are still working. If you have internet, somebody's still working at the place because if your internet goes down, they have to answer the phone. You may never use the internet that day at all, but they're still working. So... For a holy convocation, for something to get, again, if this was a pilgrimage feast, we would all be going back to Jerusalem. God would bless us with the ability to do so. And one city would have all the Sabbath keepers together, and we would be attempting to do that in the best way possible. Right now, we're scattered all over the world. But we'd all have to stay somewhere. Correct. So we would all have to pay a hotel owner Correct. in order to stay there for the Chagim. 
Correct. For the for the pilgrimage festivals, we would still have to Correct. eat. So we Correct. would still need to purchase something to eat. These Correct. kinds of things. So that's the whole thing. Is that it really comes down to really the whole conversation of kal v'chomer. It's mm-hmm. heavier light. It's the positive commandment outweighs the negative yep. commandment. In this scenario, the negative commandment is do no work on Shabbat. Okay. The positive commandment is have the mikra kodesh. Yep. All right. Well, you can't have that mikra kodesh without renting a facility or something of that nature. It's very difficult to do so. It is really difficult because even in a park, because we've done that before with uh, with other ministries, you you have to get there hours before if you want a pavilion to guarantee that you have a pavilion, even if it's free. And then you have the weather. I mean, we used to do Shavuot out at Belkow Lake. And every year that I attended Shavuot, it poured rain. It ruined equipment. People were miserable, ruined food, everything. And so that leads us to another element of, of the gathering. I know people right now who absolutely refuse to buy on Sabbath. I encourage, I, I, well, you don't refuse to buy on Sabbath the way I'm going to explain it. But you, we encourage people to not purchase on Sabbath. However, I know people who they're so strict about that, that they will show up to a place, there will be no food, they'll be starving, and they will be miserable to be around the whole entire day. They will complain that there's no food. They will complain that they're hungry. They'll complain that people didn't prepare properly. But then they'll turn around and say, well, at least I didn't buy on Sabbath. It's like you made everybody around you miserable for the for the the set-apart day. And if you would have just walked over and taken the 10 cents out of your pocket and bought a banana at the store, like everything would have been fine. Everything would have been fine. That's kind of, it's very similar to Yeshua talking about when you fast. Correct. Don't make it obvious to everyone that you're so miserable because you're fasting. Go wash your face. Don't let anybody know that you're fasting. Look normal. Yeah. Be joyous. Right. Yep. Yeah, and and that's that's a huge thing is that, you know, how are you you being joyful? How are you resting if you're, you're... complaining the whole entire time. Yeah, the S- Sabbath is to be a delight. Many people say, I mean, Sabbath goes all the way back to creation, and was man created for the Sabbath, or was Sabbath created for man? Sabbath was created after man, and that it was to be a delight to them, it was going to be a time of rest, it's the very first appointed time by which we are to meet with the Lord. That's our first and foremost goal of being with the Lord, is to meet with Him. And that's why the most positive of the commandments is a Mikra Kodesh, a holy convocation, because how are you supposed to understand meeting with the Most High God if you don't understand meeting with your brother? Correct. Same difference. The whole thing, how can you love God, and but you hate your brother? How can you say, how can... And so the idea of joining together with a family, with a group of people, I go back to the original thing said about man in the garden, it's not good for man to be alone. Nope. So we are to go and be with one another, fellowship with one another, and that gives us the example by what it is for us to fellowship with the Most High God. In the kingdom, we will be in His courts, in praising Him and being fellowshipping with Him. The people who are practicing for the kingdom today by becoming a hermit, kind of like, I'm going to keep Sabbath just with my family and I'm not going to interface with anybody else, are they going to be doing that in the kingdom? While the Messiah is there walking among us, while there's a temple and in service and people, and when we're going there to worship him on that day, are there going to be families that are going to keep to themselves in their own homes? So why are we practicing that today? What we should be practicing is the joining and the gathering together. And that's all we're ever doing is we're practicing. And here's the thing is that how can I be sharpened? How can I be encouraged? How can I be growing in my faith? And for you to see my blind spots and for me to see yours if we're all in our own tent. 
Okay? The instruction there to be in, to no man come out of his tent was given specifically within the context of don't go out and gather sticks. In other words, don't pursue your own will and try and labor on this day. I gave it to you as a delight. So stay in your own place. Don't go out and look for things to do. Um, I, as an example, now Father's Day isn't a Sabbath, okay? But on Sabbath, uh, I have right here on my phone, I have the ability to, I, I'm a very um, performance-driven person, okay? And, and I'm Could all never about... believe it. Yeah. I, I'm about, you know, setting those goals and reaching, attaining those goals and conquering those goals and things of that nature. And so being performance-driven, I want to know what's going on with my line of work. And I have that access on my phone. I can look at it any time and see what's going on. The, the, the struggle I have is on Sabbath, that's out of bounds for me. I need to not look at what's going on with work on Sabbath because then it's taking my focus off of where it should be. Well, now, we, should, now, we should also clarify, too, all three of us work in full-time ministry. Right. None of us go to a corporate, non-Bible-believing job. We all work for ministry to minister to other full-time. Right. So even the, even the work we're talking about, this isn't like we're going to work for Procter & Gamble or McDonald's. We're talking about working ministry. It's out of bounds yeah. because that's normal work. Now, yeah. I brought that up because on Father's Day, my focus should have been spending time with my family. And it was. But part of my brain was checking things. And part of my brain was saying, hmm, I've got some free time. I could really go into the office and knock some things out that need to get done. And I'm sitting back thinking... I'm supposed to be spending time with my family. Why am I having these thoughts? Well, those are exactly the type of thoughts I don't want to be having on Sabbath because it takes my focus off of the Father. And so there it's all about what our focus is on during that day. Now, here's the thing. is If I'm, if I'm fellowshipping with others, um, there's a whole lot less likelihood that I'm going to think about those things. Why? Because I'm busy talking with you guys and we're having a good time and we're encouraging each other in the Word and we're growing and everything if, of that nature. If our hearts are in the right place. Correct. Because there are many people who have attended fellowships or attend gatherings where the gathering is all about them. It's all about them. The reason why they came out of their house and the reason why they go where they go is because it's about them. It's just honest. Like Ephraim, I want to touch on something that Ephraim said about the kingdom. When we are in the kingdom with Messiah and we're going to celebrate the Messiah in the temple and we're having that, it's all about the Messiah. It's all about God. Shabbat, Sabbath day, the Saturday that we come together is supposed to be about God. It's supposed to be about Him. He's supposed to be the center of our attention and why we're there. Unfortunately, a lot of people, and we know this, and you probably know some people too in your life, they make it about them. They want the music they want to hear. They want the teaching they want to hear. They want the environment they want to hear. And if they don't get it, they go create their own church. And they create their own group. And they divide the flock. Well, when you're dividing the flock, when the whole entire element of what's happening in the Scripture here is encouraging you to bring the flock together. God is encouraging the flock to come together. With Him at the center, not worship music, not AC temperatures, not location, not any of that. Those are not supposed to be the center of why we make decisions. Those are selfish motives. We have to start trying to push those down a little bit so that God can be elevated in it, especially on the Sabbath day, because those things are not going to be in our purview in the kingdom. These instructions were given to roughly six million people Correct. wandering in the non-air-conditioned desert. Correct. Okay? And chances are, 
They didn't all have the same musical tastes. They nope. didn't all study exactly the same way. Nope. They didn't have the same opinion about everything. Nope. Okay. M- mixed multitude. Right. A couple of different cultures Correct. mixed it together. And yet, Correct. they're still instructed, this is what you guys are all to do together. Correct. Well, yep. One of the other things I wanted to, to touch on as well, when it's talking about working on the Sabbath, when all of us work in, uh, work in ministry on a regular basis, that's always been sort of the question. Sometimes it gets, it gets posed when you're talking about the people, uh, congregational leaders, servants. We are working on Sabbath. We are doing the service so that we can hold the convocation, so that people can come. We're setting up chairs so that people can come and, and be a part of that. And one of the things and, and the reasons that we do those things, in fact, for me personally, I love doing those things on Sabbath. I don't feel in my spirit in any way, shape, or form that I am breaking the Sabbath because I'm moving a bunch of chairs or because we are setting up what is going to be a time that is focused on the Lord to minister to the brethren. And that is because there is, that's what the priests had to do. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have a priesthood today. There is no priesthood. There is no, but and they were, we're absolutely not, we're working. We're not priests. Yeah, they were, we're absolutely working we're on Sabbath. And when yeah. it comes to slaughtering an animal, uh, stoking a fire, putting an animal up on the altar, I'm sure was a laborious task. And they did that on Sabbath. And so we don't have that anymore. But there is a precedent by which those that minister to the people and are the intercessors between God and the flock... Those people do that work in that service. And when people have committed their life to doing that work, such as working in ministry for their entire life, you, you can't explain that within your spirit there is nothing. The Lord doesn't lay on any of our hearts that we're doing something wrong when we're doing that. And so then in that case, whenever there is a Sabbath, a high Sabbath, there's an event that's being put on to serve the people, to minister to the people, for them to worship the Lord. I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that that is a breaking of the Sabbath in that type of labor. It can be if our hearts are in the wrong place. As an example, so I come here every Saturday morning, okay, and I work up a sweat. Fortunately, I have someone who likes to come early and help me. Thank you. Um, Setting up all the tables and the chairs and everything of this nature. And, you know, there's times when I can potentially, especially afterwards... During cleanup, I can, in my heart, say, Justin, your heart appreciates this, you know. Grab your tassels. Right, exactly. That's why I got to grab a hold of this and say, check yourself, man, before you wreck yourself. Check your heart. Um, So, but that's the whole thing is just like anything else, you know, it's about the heart matter, okay? But per Ephraim's point, if we didn't do that, then we would be robbing you of your experience on Shabbat of your ability to draw near to him and to experience that. We have to come here early to rehearse for worship. Okay? Someone might consider that work, but it's a service that we're performing so that you are able to enter in. So in that fashion, we are functioning similar to the way the Levites would have. Not that we're claiming that we're anything like that, but that's the, the, the pattern that we're following. All of that, though, is not going to stop somebody somewhere from saying... Daniel, you broke a sweat on the Sabbath. That's the breaking of the commandment. That's what the rabbis say is that you can't break a sweat. That's the sign in which you have conducted a laborious task is because you broke sweat. It's not going to stop any... There there will always be the people that will stand up and try to be the person that will be the Sabbath police, that will tell you what you can and can't do. And all of it comes from a very religious 
uh, greedy, whatever negative word no, you want to come up self, with. It's a self-righteous it, spirit I, is what I, it is. I remember the story of the man who was healed by, by the Messiah who was crippled laying on his mat all the time and then he's healed and then he picks up his mat and this guy's been crippled his entire life. Suddenly the dude's walking but all the religious leaders, all they could say was, you can't carry your mat on Sabbath. Seriously? He was just healed. He's walking around. You know exactly who he is and you're going to point out the fact that he's carrying his mat on the Sabbath? I mean, that, again, this is where your heart is at. This is what your focus should be. You should be rejoicing before the Lord to see somebody healed, whether right. it is the Sabbath or not. Yes. Well, and again, that's why we try to, our very best. And again, we just try. We're not perfect. We try our best to, to have a balance inside HFF. Look, there's a lot of people who have come into this congregation who have left because we don't read enough Torah or we don't do enough this or we don't do enough that or whatever. Totally fine. We said from day one over three years ago when we met in a room before we even had this facility, we don't have a membership. If you come and you need to learn some other way, there's some other way you learn, there's some other way that you receive what God is trying to do, and we can't meet that need for you, let us get you into a congregation that can. We promote better me. We promote all kinds of things like that because they do things in a different way. And we want people to be in keeping the commandment of having a holy convocation. But we're not going to change what God has called us to do. If we were to change what God has called us to do as elders to please you or to please putting butts in the seats, then we're hypocrites and we're nothing more than prostitutes. Because we're out for size, we're out for fame, we're out for money. I don't care about any of those things. But I can tell you this, like Ephraim said, each one of us will answer our phone on the Sabbath if somebody needs it. And we will get in our car and we will go, yes, more than a Sabbath day journey, to meet people. There was a time... That we got, I got in the car on a Sabbath while it was the winter months, and we know outreach is a big thing for us here. And the the um, oh man, they're in the middle of Norman. Uh, Salvation Army didn't have hats, didn't have gloves. They were overflowing with homeless people, so they could not keep them in the in, inside. And there was going to be freezing temps that night. I got in my car shortly after leaving here from HFF service. I went to Sam's with their permission. Because we do everything together, even when we don't agree, our text message threads, even when that, and we spent hundreds of HFF dollars in the middle of the Sabbath to purchase hats, gloves, scarves, food, tuna packs, stuff like that for people. And the whole entire back of my SUV was filled with it from all of us on the Sabbath day. Was I breaking the Sabbath day to preserve the life of individuals who might have frozen to death outside. Absolutely not. If you decided today that you woke up and you don't like what's in your refrigerator, so you're going to go ahead and go downtown at 11 a.m. in the morning because you just prefer to have something else. Yes, you're seeking your own selfish desires at that point in time, not God. You can eat what's in your refrigerator and survive today, and then when the sun goes down, go out to Jones Assembly and have a nice dinner and Instagram it with all your perfect food. It's about taking care of other people. That's what they've been saying. Having a hotel conference, that's there. It's to go someplace to gather the flock together to celebrate together. To celebrate together. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about fortune. It's not about... We'd much rather be in our own homes every single Shabbat and have an actual day of rest away from everybody and everything. But that's not what God's commanded us to do. And that's not the gifting that He's given us 
or the charge he's given us. The charge is, is to open the doors of a facility and to serve the people. Yeah, that's and we're going to do that. That's the example of the Messiah. It is not wrong to do good on the Sabbath. Nope. Plain and simple. And if we all did a little bit more good for each other, we'd probably have a little bit less fights. We probably wouldn't need to have these types of conversations. Because if we just would do a little bit more good for people, if I would stop worrying about the fact that he's got a mat under his arm and be excited about the fact, like Ephraim said, that the guy can walk for the first time in his life. If I really understood what God was doing in the midst, everything is about making everything new. The Sabbath was a picture in the garden of us dwelling with God. Sooner or later, we will not be arguing over whether what congregation and what calendar. They won't exist. They won't matter. So why do we allow them to matter now? Because it's not a commandment. A lot of it is customs. Let's move in for the last like 10 minutes. Well, I also just wanted to point out humorously that I have a real Bible here and you guys have your cell phones there. And so like that's closer to kindling a flame than, than me having my book here. So just uh, just pointing out. Um, I'll wait, point out wait. that you require the light to read that. Oh. <laughs> what you doing? Check your heart. Check your heart. Good, good one, Daniel. Yeah, so I mean, again, a lot of customs, a lot of traditions that are out there, guys, like they're not bad. They become bad when you take a self-righteous attitude and you want to go use your custom as a holier way to walk out the commandments of God than somebody else. If we focus more on coming together and worshiping together than we did on whether somebody is doing the Sabbath the proper way or reading the proper Torah cycle or whatever. Why are there so many Torah cycles? Why are there so many ways that people try to define people on it? Like... This is all you need to understand. And if you build a custom or you adapt a custom that does not cause you to to go against the commandments of God, awesome. If it works for your family, awesome. Don't make it my custom because I'm not going to try to make my custom your custom. Ultimately, it's going to come down to this in everything that we do. Does this cause me to love him with all my being and to love my neighbor as myself? If it doesn't, it's not necessary. It's something that we might consider removing from our lives. But if it's something that provokes us to do those things, to love Him with all that we have, and to love others as ourselves, or it really, I wish it read better than yourselves, uh, because that's the true heart of that, okay? Then then if it's it's provoking those things, then it's good. Um, That's something that we should be doing. I agree. The next thing I think we were going to go into um, while we had still had time going, going from part three. Yeah, we going from Sabbath, which was the first appointed time. We did want to talk about other festivals, the other customs that we might do. Each of us do different things in our own homes for the various festivals, and we can we can share those ideas. And sometimes along the way, we learn new customs or new ways that certain families do things, whether it's how they host a Passover seder or something that they do in their home during Sabbath or something specific that they do. Um, for a certain holiday, and we wanted to sort of open it up and talk a little bit about some of those things. I mean, we can go back to Passover and where we do the Seder. Can, can we go before Passover? Since we only got eight minutes this service, we, we, and we're gonna we're gonna take this into a whole other set. Well, well, can I ask, can I ask you where in Scripture Purim is commanded as a as a feast? It um, is well, it was created to be a no, festival. No, no, no. Where in Scripture is Purim commanded as a feast? Uh, it, it, your question is not 
a, a it was very not commanded by well commanded. not commanded. Okay. It was okay. not commanded by Adonai. Correct. It is there is a admonition to the people to remember this every year. Exactly. Okay. So so it's not commanded by God the same way He commands us on other specific days, but there is there is an encouraging of a remembrance that's there. Okay. So awesome. Like, I'm totally for it. Like, I'm for Purim. I'm not against it. Now, can anybody tell me where, uh, where they tell you that you can get drunk off your butt and dress up for Purim? Can you tell me where, where in the scripture that that's, that's, that's there? That's not justifiable at all. Okay. So, back to the heart of the matter of things. Or, or cross-dressing? Because uh, that takes place as well at Purim. Jewish communities, they Correct. celebrate Purim. If you, if you actually want to be shaken by, by what Jews do for their festivals, look up what they customarily do on Purim, and you'll be very discouraged as okay. a believer. And I'm not throwing stones at the Jewish community. Please don't. I, I'm, 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 I've got Jewish bloodline myself, and so technically I would be considered a Jew. So I'm definitely not trying to throw stones. I'm asking for us and trying to lay out scenarios for you guys because each of your homes, you're, again, you're responsible for your own homes. I'm not responsible for your home. Daniel's not responsible for your home. Ephraim's not. And we're sure as heck not going to overstep our, our biblical authority to try to step into your home because we don't have any authority there. However, if we, and, and some of you will see this, if you have not already experienced this, if we are going to lash out at other believers in Jesus against things like Easter and Christmas and things like that, but we ourselves are going to be keeping customs and traditions that are very anti the remembrance of the story of God saving the Jewish people. Because again, we've established here, not commanded there's an encouraging to remember what he did through mordecai and esther we actually say we should do that like we're encouraging that as well just like the bible is but we are absolutely against what is considered to be the traditional execution of that remembrance which includes drunkenness which is a commandment we are not to be drunk um cross-dressing there's stuff in the scripture about a man will not wear that that pertained to a woman and vice versa. And no, he wasn't talking about jeans in the modern culture. Did he just quote the KJV? I'm just pointing that out. And, and the other things that take place in that. Again, a lot of this is about our heart. It is about our heart. We must be very careful in what we do. And again, we're going to have to have a part three where we specifically go through the various feasts. But check your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you feel the need to pick up the phone and call Ephraim or corner Ephraim in the corner, and I'm not saying this happens, or whatever, and explain to him why he's not doing something properly? Why? Nobody, nobody ever comes to you directly. Always, they always tell me that you're not doing something properly. Yeah, right. And then they talk to you about right. me, and they talk yeah. to Daniel about you, and I, yeah, that's usually or how Or they goes. talk about whatever. And we experience this. We the the nice have. thing is, though, that a three-chord bond, three, however, however, however that's worded, is not easily broken. I'm broken. Yeah, is that that's why there's there's that's why we think that the Lord set us up with three of us. Um, is that we don't agree on everything, and there's going to be weaknesses that each one of us has, and um, they're going to be obvious at times, and maybe that might be a source of contention. And yet, the three of us, uh, you know our hearts are to work those things out so that we are able to put the best foot forward and 
and to um, not allow those things to be a hindrance to serving you and to serving him. I can't tell you how many times the sharing of ideas has continued to encourage me and strengthen me and my own family because the way that I keep the festivals now and Sabbath is different than how I grew up. And that's not to say that how I grew up was bad. What it is is as we continue to meet with one another, as I gain more brethren, they share ideas that encourage me and encourage my children. First of all, growing up, I was the kid. I wasn't the adult. Now in my own family, I'm now the adult and I have small children. And so when I've met other families and they tell me, this is how we do a Passover Seder and the kids have a ton of fun and it really teaches them and ministers to them, then I will take those customs and add them to my own family. And same thing with Sabbath. And the sharing of ideas has built up my faith and all of those things, those customs, those traditions, they all build upon one another. They really do. And it's through the sharing of ideas, it's having three different opinions, you know, up here in fellowship with one another, that we grow together where things that I do in my family will encourage them. Things that Chris does with him and his family encourages both Daniel and myself. And Daniel says something, is like, hey, this is what we guys do. And we're like, that sounds great. I want to do that next week as well. And so it's that joining together with one another, with brethren, having those convocations is the thing that builds us up in our most holy faith. One of the keys we always want to point out, though, is understanding the difference between a tradition, a custom, and a commandment, and that hopefully that's what we're doing. Now, I'm sure there's going to be something that we said under our breath that somebody's going to say, oh, well, you were advocating this. I was like, Missing the point of us trying to share that this is how we grow. This is why we have a fellowship. This is why we put this together on Sabbath, that we can come together, that we can share these ideas to, to be a part, to be in fellowship with one another, and to continue to grow in him. Once again, we are all still practicing for what will be in the kingdom. We're all looking toward the kingdom and what the, it's going to be, and so we want to work and do those things that uh, my personal little philosophy I like sharing from time to time is this, is live as the world should be, not as the world is. And that means looking to the kingdom as to what will come in the future and start acting like that. If we already have been given eternal life, let us be starting to live out that eternal life as it would be in the kingdom. And so that's just a good rule of thumb for when you keep the keep commandments or when you're looking to what are we to do, what can we do, is it this way, that way, how do we follow that commandment? Again, your heart must always be focused on the Lord and always keep in mind that we are serving Him and not serving ourselves. Yeah. Well, we'll do uh, part three um, sometime in the future where we'll go through the, the feasts and some of the other things that are there. It seems like every week like something else pops up where we're like, okay, we need to talk about customs, traditions in the Bible because somebody else has got a new custom or whatever, uh, a new tradition. And Chris and, will get the sinking stool next on for part three. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ephraim and I have both had turns with it. So. <laughs> well, I just need to not sit in the center of the light. So... All right. Well, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll schedule that. We'll do part three. We'll keep going through that. Uh, we just want again encourage you guys that ultimately we we lay this stuff out here. It's our opinion. Our opinion is to help you guys understand some of the things we see, what the scripture says about those various things, and then for you to be able to go back to your home and make the decisions you need to make. And that's what we want to encourage you on is that that you get to go back to your home. You get 
get to make the decisions you want to make. You get to do that because ultimately your relationship with God, you're accountable for that. And so what you do inside your home, how you practice that, again, we're just trying to encourage you to keep the Sabbath, profess that Yeshua is your Messiah, keep the feast days, whatever calendar, whatever customs you bring into that, that's, that's, that's between you and the Lord or you and your husband or you and your wife. And just to uh, add two final points uh, for, for me, um, you know, Ephraim talked about how, you know, the three different opinions that we have here, I'll just, uh, you know, add to that and submit that there's actually four opinions and that sometimes we're not in line with that fourth opinion, which is the Lord's, and we need to be at times. And that's why the, having those discussions and being able to, to bounce these things off of each other prayerfully, um, that we're all come in line with that fourth opinion so that it's all one opinion. Um, the second uh, thought is that uh, if, you know, if anything has been misunderstood that we have said, whether it's today or in the past or at any point moving forward in the future, um, we're also all approachable. Um, please come and tell us if there's anything that you've misunderstood or anything that uh, perhaps is confusing or anything that you don't like or anything of that nature. We are always willing to hear those things. Now, please understand that the three of us will then bring those, those topics to each other. We will discuss them. If we do not take your counsel, please understand there's a reason. It's not a personal affront to you, okay? But we take everything into counsel, we seek the Lord's advice, and then we will move forward from there. So we just wanted to be humble before you and, and, and present that to you, that we are always open to uh, constructive criticism. Okay? Yeah, we actually made a decision here together. We all conversed about it mentally through, like, frequencies. Uh, if you have a complaint, Daniel will absolutely be able to meet with you on that. <laughs> No, absolutely. If anything's confusing, questions, if we invariably misspoke on something, please just contact us. And we, we, we want to. Kind of, I, we Won't hope, be the first time we've misspoke. We, we hope that you sense our heart in what our desire is to minister to the people and everything that we're doing here. Yep. Daniel, would you close us in prayer? Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us this day to meet in a building that uh, keeps us safe from the the weather and from the exterior forces of, of uh, the world, both physically and spiritually. We thank you for the shelter that we find in you. We thank you that you have created a day, the Sabbath, that uh, we are allowed to not only cease from the chaos of our normal lives, but to uh, gather with like-minded believers and to be encouraged in each other's presence. Father, we uh, thank you for the wisdom that you have given to us through the ages uh, that comes through your scriptures. We thank you for the, the delight that we are able to take in studying those, those words. And Father, we pray that you would guide our hearts in everything, that you would guide our spirits, that we would uh, pursue you and your paths of righteousness in everything that we do, that we would not veer to the right or to the left or be distracted by uh, those, those uh, traditions or customs or anything that uh, is not perfectly aligned with your will. And Father, we, we confess to you our failure in those avenues in the past, and we pray that you would strengthen us in those areas in the future. And so, Father, we submit this day to you, we submit our lives to you, and we pray that you would be sovereign in our presence, in our fellowship, uh, and in our lives. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Yeshua, our Master and Savior. Amen. If we could all rise, please.
And the Lord spoke unto Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.